Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The dragon gave him gave this beast his power, his throne, his great authority, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. And though the storms may come, I am holding on to the rock I clean. How can I keep from Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, from the place identified with evil and chaos and resisting God, a beast comes forth. The ancient Greek word translated beast here has the idea of a wild, dangerous animal. Because John called him a beast and not a dragon, as in Revelation 12 verse 3, This creature represents someone noticeably different than Satan, who was represented by a dragon. This likeness to Satan is just one of the things that identifies this beast with the one known as the Antichrist. Now let's join Pastor Rob in Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 1. The book of Revelation chapter 13. This is a very interesting chapter. In fact, it's one of the most significant chapters, uh, I would say, at least during the tribulation period. My favorite chapter is chapter 19, because that's when we come back to the earth with Jesus. And that's the thing I'm looking forward to more than anything. But there is a, um, uh, this chapter this morning that we're going to be looking at, and we'll see how far we get. I I, want to just relax in this chapter and not try and rush it through. Because there is a lot here. There's a lot to talk about. And I think it's important that we do. Because uh, it's something that um, we need to know. We need to understand the times in which we live in. And I believe we are rapidly approaching those times that we're reading about. Um, when the, At any time here, the Lord can return for the church. And we're going to be out of here. We're going to be gone. Yeah, hallelujah is right. (laughs) And uh, we will be with him. The Bible says that we will forever be with him. And Paul says, comfort one another with these words. It is a comfort to know that our Savior Jesus is coming to redeem that which he has placed a down payment in, which is the Holy Spirit in you. If you are a child of God, that means the Spirit of God has indwelt you. That is the earnest. That is the down payment. But he is coming again to receive you unto himself. But these bodies will must be changed. They must be changed. And, the, and it tells us in 1 Corinthians, in a twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen just like that. The dead in Christ are going to rise. It's going to happen so quick. God doesn't need a lot of time for this to happen. He can resurrect the dead 
who have died in Christ like that, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up, will be transformed in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, caught up together to meet him in the clouds. And at that moment, folks, do you understand that the events that we're reading about in Revelation, they begin to unfold. They begin to unfold like a, like a menu that you would read or, or, or the contents of a book. People are going to be reading. They're going to be able to see if they, if they get a copy of the scriptures going through this, air, this time of great tribulation that is coming upon the earth. It is coming. Do you know that? It is not some fairy tale. It's not some kind of fiction that somebody has made up that the church has just bought into. No, it's, there's no fiction involved here. This is true, folks. And let it stir you. Let it prepare you for the coming of Jesus. And when I say that, the coming and the rapture. I think we all know that there are two different comings in a sense. There's a coming for the church, and he doesn't even meet us on the earth at that time. At the rapture, we meet him. We're transformed, and we meet him. But the second coming, when he comes back to the earth, is a physical touchdown. (laughs) And boy, I'm looking forward to that touchdown. I want to see him spike the football. And so we are in that time. And this chapter this morning is pivotal because it speaks of... One of the personages in this great tribulation period that is very significant, not significant because of who he is, but significant because of the things that are happening and how it is preparing the way for Jesus Christ and for his return to the earth. Open with me, if you would, to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read the first 12 verses. Before we even get into Revelation, I want to set the stage. Many of you have read this passage. If you haven't read it, mark it know it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. Paul, in speaking to the Thessalonians, there was some confusion about when the return of the Lord would come. Certainly the rapture, but also the second coming. And he clears that up in these 12 verses in a small form. He had spoken to them about this, and he's just reminding them about this. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless at least two things happen. Notice what they are. That the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. We know this man of sin as the Antichrist, the very subject of the chapter we're looking at this morning in chapter 13 of Revelation. He is this uh, man of sin, the son of perdition. Notice who Paul says opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Yes, this being, this Antichrist, is going to set an image of himself in a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And guess what? It's not there right now. I was there a few months ago. It is not there. What you do see is a Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which belong to Islam. There's no temple up there. The last temple that was there was Herod's temple, which was a, a, a fortification of Zerubbabel's temple, an expanded edition of uh, Zerubbabel's temple after the children of Israel came back from Babylon. Yes, he's going to inhabit that temple, this Antichrist. But notice what it says. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed 
in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Notice, and then the lawless one. That's another title of the Antichrist. And then the lawless one, he will be revealed. So what is restraining this from happening? What is restraining this Antichrist from being revealed to the earth? Folks, it's you and I. The Spirit of God dwelling in you and I. We are the light. Jesus told his disciples, he says, I am the light of the world. But then he said afterwards, now you are the light of the world. Because the very presence, the Spirit of God indwells you. And that very light in you is going to provoke people. It's going to bring about a change. It's going to stop the spread of sin. Have you ever noticed when people know you're a Christian, all of a sudden, they, they if they have any consciousness or conscience left... A lot of times, if they've got a rotten mouth, they'll kind of they'll make they'll swear in front of you. And you go, oh, I'm, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that." What is that? Is it is that the spirit of God in you? Yes, it is. That's the light. And when we are removed, folks, there's going to be no restraint. That is what is restraining, and the restrainer is the spirit of God, and He is in us, and we are the thing that are it's in the way for real progress. <laughs> and I say that with an asterisk. The world wants progress. But notice, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. We, we see that in Revelation 19, in a, in, in a few months when we get to that, uh, with the breath of his mouth, and he will destroy him with the brightness of what his coming. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, lying wonders. Notice that, all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because why? Why are the unrighteous perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You receive the love of God. You receive Jesus Christ and you're saved. And it's the love of God that, 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 is, that is what does that. It's his love. And for this reason, notice, in this tribulation period that we're talking about, for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. Are you thinking to yourself, well, I can just get right with God. I, I'm having fun with my life right now. I'm drinking, I'm partying, I'm having all the time of my life. Really? Are you having a really good time? Has anybody uh, woke up on the floor of a bathroom after you've had a really good time? I have. A number of times in my teenage years without God, no concern for him whatsoever. Is that really fun? Is that really a party? Is that something I'm really excited about? Is it something I'm even proud of anymore? No, I don't, I'm not proud of it at all. And if you think that you can have your party now and then after the church is removed, if that happens according to your belief, do you think you're going to be able to be strong enough to withstand what's coming, the delusion, the great delusion that God is going to bring upon the earth? Do you think you're going to be able to withstand that with all power, signs, and lying wonders that the Antichrist is going to unleash. Believe me, if there's any time in history to receive Christ, it's now. It's the easiest it'll ever be today. If you are not born again today, and for those of you who are online, if you are not born again today, you must be born again. Isn't that what Jesus said? In uh, John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, a re very religious man. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Religion is not going to get you to heaven. Being a good person is not going to get you to heaven. Giving to the church is not going to get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get you to heaven is God's going to look in your heart and he's going to see his own image in it. And if he doesn't see it, he's going to say, I depart from me. I never knew you. 
And he's not going to say it with any kind of joy either, because believe me, it breaks the heart of God for any soul to leave this earth without having his spirit indwelling them. He does not delight in the death of the wicked. It breaks his heart. So we must not be so flippant when we talk about the death of the evildoers in the world. It breaks God's heart, and it ought to break ours too. We ought to be thinking about them. And instead of... uh, being really nasty, let the Lord challenge your heart. Let him change your heart. Say, Lord, I no longer want to be this kind of person who's just ragging on everybody. I don't want to be, even if I don't agree with them, can I love them anyway? Can the church do that? It's the one thing that we can do that the world can't. We can love in spite of differences. Are there differences? Yes, you better believe it. Are those differences okay? It's okay. Just make sure those differences are Founded in the Word of God, you know what? The more you learn the Word of God, the more you have the Word of God in you, the more it's going to change you. And we're going to, by by default, we are going to feel very comfortable around each other. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God in us, and He is the one who unifies us. There is no political party that unifies us. There is nothing that unifies us except the Spirit of God. Let's go to Revelation. We're just going to look at the first ten verses. Let's read them. And then we're going to go through them. Again, I'm going, to, I'm going to be a little sloppy today, I'll be honest with you. This has been the most challenging two weeks in my entire life, for many reasons. Even this morning as I'm preparing for this, and I'm trying to put things together to prepare for you, things just were not happening, things that never, never happened to me before. And I either believe that God is restraining me, Or it's the devil himself. And I believe it's the devil. I'm small fries compared to to many. But I believe he doesn't want you to hear the things that you're going to hear over the next couple of weeks. Because it totally unmasks, I believe, his deception. It shows us who he really is. And I don't like talking about the devil. I don't like talking about the Antichrist. I'd much rather talk about Jesus Christ. But here we are. We have to face it. It's in the word of God, so let's deal with it. And it can't be at a better time. Because right now, folks, you may not like me for what I'm going to say today. But I'm going to tell you what I believe is the truth. So I'd ask for your grace. I'm trying to be very delicate in some areas. And there's a part of me that I, I, I can't not tell you what I believe is the truth. If it is the truth, praise the Lord. If I'm wrong, I don't have a problem being wrong. Let's read Revelation 13. The very first verse has an unfortunate translation. It's not really a a huge deal, but um, let me just say, when the dragon stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet was like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And we already defined who that dragon is last week. We looked at him in Revelation 12. This is nothing more than Satan himself. The devil. The dragon gave, him, gave this beast his power, his throne, his great authority, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. 
So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority, notice, to continue for 42 months. What is 42 months but three and a half years? 1,260 days. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy, notice, against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. That's, at the very least, you and I and the angels, because we're in heaven at this point, raptured, saints, Christians. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. These are the ones that are still on the earth, those, uh, the Jews, and those who have given their heart to Christ during that time, they are called saints as well. But he is going to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Notice that. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. And he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so we get into this wonderful uh, chapter. Let's first go back to verse 1 here. It says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. This word, I, is kind of an unfortunate translation, uh, because when you read this, it makes it sound like it's, it's John that's speaking, but it is not. If we look back, in fact, in, in the NIV and in the NASB, which is a New International Version and the um, New American Standard Bible, they give this translation, uh, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and that's really the better translation, because if you back up to uh, Revelation chapter 12, you can look there with me if, with yourself. Look at verses 13 in chapter 12. What is the context of this? Sometimes when we have chapter breaks, it can disturb the flow of things. But notice what it says in chapter 12, verse 13 through 7. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman, Israel, who gave birth to the male child, who was Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might flee into the wilderness to her place. We believe that's the rock city of Petra, where she is nourished for a time, a times, and a half a time, in other words, 42 months, from the presence of the serpent, who is the devil, the Antichrist. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away. And as you, as you read the rest of this, you know in context that it's speaking of the dragon. In fact, in verse 17, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the very next thing we read is, then, who stood on the sand of the sea? It was the dragon, Satan. We know that's what he is. He's standing on the sand of the sea. He's watching from watching this from this beast rise from the sea, summoning it, you if you will, from the sea of humanity, whom he will empower with his authority. And we have to understand that this beast that we're referring to is not only a physical person, but it also embodies a revived Roman Empire that is yet coming. A revived Roman Empire. The Roman Empire really collapsed. I, th I believe it was in 476 uh, AD. It kind of cr crumbled from within, but it lied dormant. And the elements of it are in Europe to this day. 
But there's coming a time when it will be revived, and a man of sin, this politician, who won't be revealed, so don't even try to figure out who this man is. It's a fool's errand. (laughs) You can try if you'd like. But don't worry about who he is, because we're not going to know. We can make some guesses. We can't be dogmatic about anything, because he's not going to be revealed until we're left, until we're out of here. And we might be surprised of who it might be. So this beast will not only embody the revived Roman Empire, but it will also be a man. And notice that the dragon is not the beast, but the beast is similar to the dragon. They are distinct personages, but they are very similar. In fact, we've talked about the demonic trinity, and just like we have the trinity in the church, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Satan has his own trinity as well. Notice he mimics everything that God does. There's nothing original that he does, and the reason there's nothing original is because he has to counterfeit what he knows is true. And what is true is that there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the things that Jesus Jesus did, he is going to try and counterfeit. Even coming back on a white horse, we saw that in Revelation chapter 6. This conqueror coming, that's who he is, that's his personage. He, all he can do is mimic. And so that's what he does. Satan, he feigns to present God the Father, the beast, or the Antichrist as we know him. He feigns to represent Jesus Christ, the Son, and the false prophet who we'll look at uh, next week. He feigns to represent the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead. And as the Son, Jesus Christ, glorifies the Father, and the Holy Spirit encourages the worship of the Son, Jesus Christ, so too the demonic trinity does very similar. The beast, the Antichrist, gives glory to the dragon who is Satan, and the false prophet causes everyone to worship the beast, the Antichrist. See the similarities? Then I stood on the sand of the sea, uh, and the dragon actually stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads. And we, this beast is the Antichrist. We look, we, we've been saying that, and the government is closely tied with him. We'll look at more of this when we get into verse 2. But the word Antichrist is, is not, only appears five times in the Bible, in four different verses. In fact, the Bible speaks of the spirit of Antichrist in John's gospel, or I'm sorry, in John's epistle. He says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist is doing very well. Jesus is not real. He's not the only way. No, he didn't come physically to the earth. He wasn't really born to the Virgin Mary. That's really just a a nice children's story. It's not really real. See, that's what people say. That idea, that whole thing is the spirit of Antichrist. Anything that opposes Christ or goes in place of him is the spirit of Antichrist. Does that make sense? Anything that opposes him or is in place of him is the spirit of Antichrist. Not the Antichrist. There's a difference. In fact, in 1 John chapter... um, There we go. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. What does John say in his other epistle here? He says, Little children, it is the last hour. 
As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now he's speaking about a man. John the Apostle. This is only the, the few times that the word Antichrist is in the Bible. He's mentioned by many other names throughout the Bible. But now John puts a label on him. And you'll only find it in John's epistles. Little children, it's the last hour. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.